Did you know that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day? Hi, Zach Kuhn here, entrepreneur, Nashville music business professional. And I'm here to tell you that if you need to recruit people for your business, ZipRecruiter is the place to do it. But don't take my word for it. Well, actually, you should take my word for it. And here's what you need to do. You need to go to ZipRecruiter.com. Dot com slash Zach. That's www.ziprecruiter.com slash Zach to learn more there about recruiting the best people for your business. The fastest, best people fast. You know that fast, good, cheap pyramid? Well, this is doing it all. This is fast, good, and yeah, you got to check out the pricing online. That's kind of above my pay grade, but ZipRecruiter, check it out. Too, too, too many ads. Here we go. I'm going to tell you something that you maybe didn't know, which is Brian Kelly of Florida Georgia Line is in the process of creating a Broadway musical. So naturally, this week on the podcast, we caught up with the show's producers, Michael Barra and Stephen Sneddon. We talk about it all. We talk about the show. We talk about the future of Broadway and so much more. Look, even if you're not the Broadway guy, if you're like, no, no, country music all the way, Broadway's not for me, check this episode out because I think you're going to really dig it. And, you know, this might be the show for you if you've never liked a Broadway musical, if you've never seen a Broadway musical. This is opening in Nashville next year. And this might be that gateway drug for you, if you know what I mean. So give this a shot. If you are a Broadway fan, you're going to absolutely love this episode because we talk about it all. Here we go. Let's dive in. So, Stephen, I'm curious because you grew up with Brian Kelly. He's one of your cousins. You've known him your entire life. Was he always the music guy? And were you always the actor, theater, film, TV guy? Sort of, you know, I mean, honestly, his his music side kind of caught me off guard because, you know, he was playing baseball. And uh, I remember I was doing I was doing a cross country tour for a volunteer group and uh, met up with his mom and his sister. And they were like, oh, yeah, Brian's out, you know, in a van with Tyler going across country. And I was like, what? I mean, I knew he played, uh, obviously. And then I think the next time he had come through Oklahoma, which is where I'm from, and he played his song in our kitchen. And that was the moment I was like, oh, dude, you're for real. And I keep telling him, I'm like, oh, you need to record that song. Uh, but he said, no, nah, no, nah, I moved past that. But that was the moment in uh, my parents' kitchen in Oklahoma where I really knew. And but were you always in the 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 theater guy or the the film guy? Did you always think you were going to go into that side of the business? Yeah, I mean, I, I uh, you know, super artistic family, and then I went into photography, and the f- photography started sort of going into film, and then, you know, in college, <laughs> decided I wanted to drop out. My parents begged me to stay in, and so then I, I started taking all the fun classes, and then that got me into theater, and then the next thing I know, I'm you know, packing up my car and uh, driving to Los Angeles, like uh, uh, the, the all the stories that you hear about of crazy people not thinking it through. And you were hoping to be in, you, you were thinking you were going to be in movies and TV or, or were you into theater originally or just anything? You were like, I just want to act. Whatever puts me on that path or around the industry, that's what I'm heading for. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely just wanted to act. Um, 
you know, I think the California decision was sort of like ingrained in me. You know, you go, come from Oklahoma and that whole like Dust Bowl grapes of wrath, like go West young man, <laughs> sort of idea. And that then I kind of knew a couple people. And so that made the jump just slightly easier. Uh, but I was, I mean, I, I graduated with a double major in uh, theater production uh, and television production or theater general and television production. So I had, I was producing and acting at that point too, or trying to. Holy cow. Uh, yeah. Michael, you have a long career working in the business and you studied that in school. And, and you know, in 2017, you started Lively McCabe to sort of take iconic works and, and turn them into productions and, you know, find new life for them, essentially. What sort of inspired this company in 2017? What, was there a hole in the market? Was there something you were really excited about? What, how did the company come together? Yeah. Give us a little background on the company. Yeah, I mean, both of those things. Although I'm more interested in hearing about Steven's background. I've been <laughs> back to in the first five minutes of this podcast and in the last several years. This is great. Uh, yeah, Zach. So, uh, you know, I, I, um, I came up through Disney's my background. So, I, you know, I started producing theater in New York, um, then wound up, um, you know, I was about to get married at the time. And my wife, you know, I was doing not-for-profit theater. My wife was like, why don't you try doing something that's for-profit before we go on this lifetime journey together? I'm like, oh yeah, that sounds like a good idea. So I, um, I went to go work for Disney. They moved me to LA from New York. Um, and we were there for, uh, you know, five or six years, had our first daughter out there. And um, I came back, Disney moved me back to New York to work in their theatrical group. And that's where kind of everything shifted for me. So that was a couple of years before Live in McKay, but it just opened my eyes to how you can take intellectual property, you know, whether it's a Disney movie or TV show or just characters and find a life for it on stage. And then that just started percolating and percolating. And then when I left Disney, um, I started another company, but then I started Live in McCabe in 2017 to do really what I was doing at Disney, but now just scouring the planet for, for properties and for artists and for um, stories and characters that resonate and that deserve a life on stage in whatever capacity that, that you know, that is. So we've been doing it for the last three years. Okay. So I definitely want to talk about maybe we all obviously, but I'm curious because you guys licensed the clue musical, right? Or the, the clue play. It's a play. How, yeah, cool. how did, how did, how did you come in contact with that? Oh man, that it, it, people ask me that and it's just, it's not to be replicated because it was so random. Like I've always loved the movie. I'm such a fan of clue. Right. And, you know, I grew up with it and it, it was never a good movie. It was never a, a, a successful movie, but it found its life in licensing. So people were watching it on cable and watching it. And then everyone, it just exploded. And then this is such a New York story. I, my daughter was going to a, a preschool in New York and um, her best friend is the granddaughter of Jonathan Lynn, who wrote and directed the movie. So at her fifth birthday party, <laughs> I pulled him aside. I'm like, you know, after, between bites of cake. And there was a frozen party. So, you know, Elsa and Anna's are running all over the place. I'm like, oh, so I, you know, I really loved your movie. I'd love to take you to breakfast sometime. And so we made a, a breakfast date and um, over breakfast, I'm like, you have to give me the rights to this. I really want to turn it into, you know, this play. I have all these ideas. And he's like, look, you can do it. Hasbro owns it and Paramount owns the movie. So best of luck to you. You're never going to get the rights, but you have my blessing. And I was like, oh, but I, I just, I just fought. I mean, I, I just started cold calling and showing up at people's offices until, um, you know, until they took the meetings. And then I would play one off the other. I hope they're not listening to this, but I would tell Hasbro <laughs> that Paramount really liked the idea. And I told Paramount that Hasbro really liked the idea. That's how, that's how you got to do it. That's how it gets done. That's how we got it. But now, you know, it's, it's one of the top performed 
uh, li licensed shows in high schools, right? Or it's like one of the top licensed shows. Duh, it's the most the, the most produced play in the country um, in high schools. It's you know it's had fifteen hundred productions in the last eighteen months, and you know it's 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 an important market because you know everyone thinks theater, they think of Broadway, but the stuff that is being done on Broadway isn't necessarily the most appropriate content for you know, kids in high schools or community theaters or regional mm -hmm. theaters across the country. And sometimes they, uh, they're a little forgotten. So our company's really focused on getting them as many, as much content as we can that we know that will be right for them and that they'll love. Absolutely. Okay. So may we all, it's a country jukebox musical. There are two things I love. I love country music and I love musical theater. I grew up in New York seeing musical theater and I've always kind of been like, what's the parallel? Like, why do I love both? Like, what's the thing is it like a truthfulness to storytelling or like why, you know, why has a, a country musical never been made? There, there were a couple, there was um, nine to five, there was Bright Star also, there's a couple little things, but is country a great format to tell a musical? I mean, go ahead, Steve. Uh, uh, I was gonna say, I, absolutely. I mean, if you look at country music, it it is storytelling already, Right. you know, they're, they're that's one of the things that people are drawn to. And even people that don't say they're country music fans will listen to it. And they're like, oh, like I got like a little splice of life from that story. So I think it's a pretty natural. And I'm frankly surprised it hasn't been done more. You know, I mean, I think Oklahoma had a stranglehold for a long time and it's a great musical, but to have something else that people can go see, uh, I think we're gonna really find an audience. Especially one that's not a bio musical, you know, like you've seen a lot of those. We've seen the story of, you know, Sun Records. We've seen the, you know, the Million Dollar Quartets. We've seen the, yeah. you know, the Ring of Fires. Like, you know, but this is a, a broader take, right? This is an original story, and um, and we're pulling from the entire fabric of country music to mm -hmm. find the songs that can uniquely tell, you know, a, a story moment or a character moment or something that isn't just kind of. Um, shoehorned in like you sometimes see in, in jukebox musicals, especially if it's a single artist catalog. And I was just thrilled to be able to kind of, you know, work with all our music publishing partners and pull from across all of them. I mean, there's the artists we have in the show is, is it's just really, it's stunning sometimes. It's insane. It's like Tim McGraw, Sarah Evans, Kenny Chesney, the chicks, Casey Musgraves. I mean, it's, it's a who's who yeah. songs. Was it hard pulling songs? I don't know what this process looked like, when you were like, okay, we need, I'm assuming, you know, we gotta find the I want song. We need a conditional love song. You know, what, what's the opening gonna be? Was it hard to find those kinds of classic musical theater songs in country music or, or did they kind of jump out at you? I mean, it's always trial and error, you know? So we, I think every show, every song that's in the show now, most of them weren't the original ones in that moment, right? But as the, as the script evolves and as characters deepen and as plot becomes more important, then you sometimes have to go, I love this song, but it doesn't really fit. What else can we put in there? Um, it's a jigsaw puzzle where you're trying, you know, trying and trying again. And um, yeah, I mean, our team has just worked at it for, for a long, long time. We have one of the best music clearance people in the planet working yeah. for us. And, you know, she's been able to work some minor miracles. And um, so shout out to Darnitha Mbai from, she's, uh, she's the one responsible for clearing all 30 of these songs. So we can't do it without her. Yeah, and and I think also just, you know, we have such a great, Michael's put together a lot of the team for uh, the actual play. Um, and then we also have the film side. So we've got sort of different songs that are happening, 
you know, the story is very similar, but obviously in a screenplay, there are things that work better and songs that are working better. So then it's been a lot of juggling and finding out what works and what's available. Um, but yeah, I have to shout out just to the whole team. And then, you know, our, uh, Brian Yusufer, who's doing the orchestration is just got a brilliant mind for what those things can look like and how we can change the orchestration. Um, so yeah, I think it's, we owe a lot to a really great team. Cause is it hard to balance you? I'm sure you want this thing to feel authentically country. I think that it can sometimes be hard to make anything feel authentically anything when it goes to the Broadway stage. Is it hard to sort of balance those two? Or does it seem like it's kind of a natural fit? No, I mean, that, that was a huge focus for us. I mean, the first thing, you know, what you don't want to do is do a country musical and have it be a bunch of New Yorkers who are doing it, you know? Right. So being a New Yorker, the first thing no I offense. thought was, no offense to me or to you, um, is we needed everyone else to have, you know, some really authentic roots. Um, you know, the guys, the brothers who, who came up with the story and who wrote the, the book, um, Troy Britton Johnson and Todd Johnson, two brothers from rural North Carolina. This is a story that happened in, a, you know, a similar story to a, a, a town near their hometown. And that's what got the whole ball rolling. Um, our director, Shelly Butler, you know, is, is lived in the South most of her, you know, adult life. And that was important to us. When people talk to us about casting the show, you know, there's a reason why this isn't going to Broadway first and then out, because that would be a very different show. This is being built in Nashville. Um, we're going to be casting it in Nashville. This is, this is, um, you know, I think, I think Music City is going to, um, would sniff us out a mile away if this wasn't a, a group of collaborators who actually had deep and real roots in the music. And that's been our goal from the beginning. Yeah, I think it's, for for our company it's a conversation we have a lot because primarily a lot of the things that we're doing are we're focusing sort of on that middle america heartland audience um and trying to get away from the ideas that la or new york might have about middle america so i think that that's always a continu continuing conversation i think in some ways for me like a, a musical you know i mean there are definitely challenges because you know, you can, people are breaking out into song, you know, so there's a, it's a, it's different than when I grew up in Oklahoma. Um, but I think if you sort of like try to keep focus on it and having people that are going through and giving notes about just the way people speak or uh, the subject matter, you know, you just, you try to do your best to keep it real. It's also funny, I think, that the May We All music video for Florida Georgia Line is kind of theatrical, actually, or, or there's there's a story there. Now, oh, yeah. something that you mentioned, the, the show is going to be developed in Nashville, which I think is interesting. And, you know, there was a recent report done in Broadway World that, you know, tourism is going to return to New York in full by like 2025, I think they said it does. And typically a show like this, a jukebox musical, feels a little bit like an out-of-towner show. I mean, that with all the respect in the world. Um, yeah. This kind of the new model of, hey, let's develop this show outside New York, and then we're going to tour it before we come to New York, which is, you know, maybe traditionally a little bit backwards. You know, we're going to bring it to the people because they're not going to be coming to New York. Is that kind of the new model for this? Or is that what, what we're going to be seeing, do you think? I mean, it's certainly the model for this show. It's the right model for this show, even I would say regardless of the, of the pandemic. Uh, because of the pandemic, I think it's probably realistic to expect that people might follow this model saying in success because the regional theaters are opening first 
um, because the touring circuits are opening first before the Broadway companies are. Maybe some will follow us, but um, but it, you know it, this was by design. This wasn't out of necessity. We always knew. You know, we have a yeah. developmental production happening in Memphis even before Nashville. It you know the, the whole thing's being built in Tennessee, um, soup to nuts from the first person cast to the last person cast, the entire creative team, the, everybody, um, all the musicians. So um, it's always been the plan. I've always felt like Nashville is an amazing place to develop a show. And I'm always surprised that more shows don't do it here. I guess maybe it's hard. Typically like a Broadway show will develop in like Boston, obviously, or someplace close yeah. for logistical purposes. But I've always felt like Nashville is such a great place to develop something. I mean, has it been yeah. just amazing for the reasons you've said, just so much access to talent and, and such perfect talent for this show? Yeah, we haven't even gotten to casting yet. I mean, that, that's going to be a blast. We're doing the, we're doing all of our casting in, in Nashville. So, um, you know, I, well, I'm just excited to see the talent that's going to come out. Um, really thrilled. Absolutely. So I think like people worried with Broadway, like live streaming, or if you film the production when the show is running, you know, that's going to take away ticket sales. I think it'll be interesting to see what happens with Hamilton, although it feels like nothing is going to stop those ticket sales. <laughs> but I thought it was interesting that this show is being in production in parallel with the movie that's being produced. I mean, is that, is the movie going to pr promote the show is, or do the two go in <laughs> parallel? What's the, what, what was the thought process behind this? <laughs> I, I think that's a, a really good question. Uh, I mean, I think part of it, we're just going to have to say pandemic uh, because our. That's such a cop out. That's everybody's. It, it, oh, it, it, we can do anything. It's, no, I'm kidding. I'm it, kidding. it is. But, but I think our initial plan was we were like, okay, the play will be our own IP for the film, right? Um, and that was sort of the initial thing we wanted to do is do the play first. But with the pandemic, we weren't able to, we should have already had, you know, our developmental run in Memphis. You know, we, we had different dates at TPAC and so everything got pushed. In the meantime, we were like, we, Michael and I don't like sitting around and uh, uh, my third partner along with Brian, Justin, um, decided to write, write the screenplay. So we got the screenplay done and then we're able to attach a director, uh, Andy Fickman, who's amazing. So if, you know, it was just like both horses were in the race and now we're like, you were kind of trying to see, uh, how fast, but I mean, realistically right now, the film is really, uh, kind of taken off uh, as the front leader. Um, so the film may be promoting the play now. Right, right, right. Interesting. The, the album might be promoting both of them. So yeah. We'll, we'll yeah. <laughs> the race is on. Yeah, exactly. Like Moulin Rouge, you know, yeah. but they're happening at the same time, the play and the movie. What? How crazy is opening night at Nashville going to be? I feel like it's going to be the most star-studded, great right. event ever. It's going to be out of control. Yeah, I, I sure hope. I sure hope so. I mean, I I think that. You know, just with the, you know, having Brian and Florida Georgia Line name and everything, it probably behooves us. And hopefully, I think we're going to have a great show. TPAC's excited. You know, I mean, I think everybody's super excited. And now that it has gotten moved, you know, we've got a nice long run, 12 weeks. I think, I think this year and a half ahead of time, like we've already got pretty good momentum going into a, a huge party. Oh my God. Is it going to be in the main? Do you know which room it's going to be at TPAC? There's a couple theaters at TPAC. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be in the Polk Theater, which is their uh, like 1100 seat theater. 
Oh my god! Yeah, it's gorgeous. This is going to be so exciting. It was, about, it was about this time last year, Stephen, when you you and I were out there touring theaters, and we walked yeah. we walked into the Polk Theater, and it's just like this, oh, just oh. moment of, oh my god, this is our house. How do we get it? And uh, and they yeah. Where were you looking? Like, were you looking around Nashville, or were you looking in Tennessee? Like, because originally there was a production slated in Memphis. Like, yeah. So Memphis, we're, um, we're doing the Memphis production at Playhouse on the Square, and they're great partners. And that that company will move to to Nashville. Um, we were looking at all the different venues within TPAC, but we we're also toying with the idea of doing like a, a concert version that maybe we would we would film. And then so we're looking at all the classic you know venues that you can imagine. Uh, in Nashville, but we really wanted to make sure that this was a fully staged production, especially when the tour started coming together. We didn't want to send around a concert version of the show. We wanted a full-scale production, and you know, T-Pac's the is the you know the uh, the prime and 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 most prestigious kind of uh, performing arts venue in in the state. So we were we were we were happy. We were happy that they they agreed to meet with us, and then ultimately gave us <laughs> yeah. a gorgeous, a gorgeous venue. Yeah, I, th I think we've been incredibly lucky along the way that people are in the partnerships that, that we've found and, and TPAC has just been really incredible from the start. So um, I'm excited. And, you know, something you spoke on earlier, Zach, you know, they they traditionally they're such a quality theater. They're not typically trying to capture necessarily like tourists, um, you know, as as their main source of um, attendance, but for this one, they feel like, you know, their, their season ticket holders and their normal audience are gonna be really excited about this. But then also, you know, we're gonna be able to pick up some of those tourists who are in Nashville and saying, okay, I came, I came for X, Y, and Z, and now I've got a couple of days, what am I gonna do? It's a perfect opportunity if you're a, you know, country fan of any type, you're gonna to wanna to go and hear these classics and new and then even original songs. Yeah, absolutely. It, I, I love going to TPAC in Nashville because I feel like I'm out at shows every single night. And when you go to TPAC, it's like a change of pace when you see a touring show come through or something. Yeah. I don't go so often just because I usually don't have time. But when I do go, I'm, I'm always like, oh, so good. <laughs> I'm something other than live music as much as I love that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. It's something, you know, it's Nashville's such a fun town. And so, you know, I think we'll be able to add to that and be part of the fun. Absolutely. So wait, so how much of this story can we talk about? Like, who is Jenna Coates? Like, I'm very like, her name's getting thrown around. Like, is there <laughs> any, what, what can we say to get people excited about this? What's the premise that we're looking at here? Who is Jenna Coates? I love that. That should be yeah. like the, uh, the, the reality show where we find our, our actress. Who is like Jenna Coates? Blonde, it's going to be. Now, yeah. I'm going to start, I'm going to start my own Instagram account as Jenna Coates. As Jenna Coates. That, it's yeah. me. We're all Jenna Coates. Or yes. every one of us is a Jenna Coates. It's a universal story. Jenna, I mean, Jenna uh, is a, uh, she's a, a, a singer songwriter from a small town. And, uh, you know, in, in Eastern Tennessee, the town of Harmony, Tennessee, which is, is known for being the, you know, the, uh, for an annual singing competition known as the sing and she was a big fish in a small pond and like so many stories those big fishes all aspire to go to the big pond and um, she had a rough go in the big pond so it's really the story of her return um, you know what is what is what is true and what is real and what is important and um, she goes through a pretty um a pretty extreme journey and it's um you know it's a it's a musical comedy, so I don't want it's not a dark thing. I should say up front. I mean, it's a it's a journey of finding herself, but in a way that is entertaining and not sad. Um, that, but but Jenna Coates, yeah, she's a 
you know, what is she, 22, 23 year old, and uh, and she's got a lot of living uh, ahead of her, and she's 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 uh, she tells the story of harmony. I mean, it's a town of harmony, so we're gonna we're gonna learn about a lot of zany characters and and all the little uh, insights into the town. What do you think, Stephen? What am I missing that we can share? I, I, I don't know. That's what I'm always so afraid of is what we can share. No, I mean, I think you handled it pretty well. It's got so. that great story arc that every great musical should have, the character starting one place and ending in another. It feels like that is the uh, tried and true method to a musical, and this one has got it nailed. <laughs> yeah, and I, and I think uh, I think the only thing I would add is is the music's great, but I think that it's also who and how some of these songs will be sung will be super interesting to people. I think you know we'll have some surprises, and then. Um, we will have some original music as well. So you get to hear some classics, but there's also will be a couple of uh, original songs also. That's always so fun with the, with the jukebox musical is seeing how different songs get used. And you yeah. almost can laugh. Like I remember seeing Moulin Rouge and you're almost laughing at some of the placements. There's nothing funny about them, but they're just so clever and creative. Yeah. How they're using them that it's just yeah. so charming when, when it's done well. It's such a, such a fun thing to see. Yeah, I mean, it all comes down to the arrangement. You're used to hearing it based on the original recording. And um, Brian Yusufer has got some some nice surprises in, in the arrangement and in the orchestration. It's, um, I think we'll, have, we'll keep people guessing. I love this. So is TikTok gonna be part of the marketing strategy for this musical? <laughs> Feels like Broadway's taken off on TikTok. I'm curious when things open back up, is it gonna be part of the conversation? You know, I don't know. Uh, but my first thought was that it would be more likely for the film for yeah. some reason. Um, it, it just, in my mind, sort of fits better. But that's a, that's interesting. We'll see. We'll also see who we cast because I have a, a feeling we're going to have a very colorful cast of people, and there might be some TikToking going on. Yeah, potential uh, guest appearances. We can we can tease a little bit as well while we're in Nashville. Well, We'll have some uh, some opportunities for some folks that maybe we know to uh, to join in the festivities. So be on the lookout for the May We All TikTok account because it's yeah. going to be uh, a key part of this show. No, I'm kidding. I have no idea. <laughs> so exciting. Guys, what, what have we left out? Have we, have, is there anything that we've left out of this conversation? Um, basically, people need to get excited for this and be on the lookout for tickets to go on sale, right? Yeah, just keep keep uh, checking the tpac.org website. Um, subscribers are going to get first crack at these tickets yeah. later on in the spring, and then single tickets will be around in the fall. So keep checking them out. They've got uh, check their social uh, accounts and and their website, and you'll come check us out. And coming next after May We All is the three days of August play that <laughs> is going to star in. I think this movie would be a great play. Has, has that ever come up? Uh, no, but you know who's in that uh, is my buddy Ed Highland, who uh, is an amazing actor. And he was just he was in uh, the I'm a drawing the blank Harry Potter. Uh, I went and saw in New York right before the pandemic hit. Um, so he he would be phenomenal. Yeah, there were some phenomenal actors in that. <laughs> I think we bring it to the live stage. Why not? Why not? Noted. Uh, I'm going to on Michael. <laughs> Michael, let's go. Anything we can say about the Mystic Pizza play, by the way? Ooh, um, yeah, we have some. We're going to be announcing our, our production. Production's coming up soon. Um, we're, we're doing a reading of it in two weeks. That That's in good shape, too. But you got to come see this one. Come see May We All first, and then you can come see Mystic Pizza next. 
Okay, great. Are, will there be any readings to tune into or is it all kind of wrapped up at this point? We're just gonna be staging it. For, for me, we all, it's gonna be, Memphis will be the first the first crack. You'll be able to see it at Playhouse in the Square. Um, we'll be announcing the redates because the pandemic pushed us from this past fall. Uh, we'll be announcing that in the coming weeks. Very cool. Maybe I'll come out and see it. I could use it later. Good. Why not? Yeah. Um, last come visit. Week, say that again? I said, come and visit us. Uh, you know, maybe I could use the fun. So, you know, I'm curious, lastly, there's a lot of industry that listens to this and there's a lot of, um, you know, um, um, performers as well. And people, maybe if there's anyone who's interested in maybe like, oh my God, I might be the perfect Jenna Coates. Maybe you don't want to open it up, but maybe you do. I'll leave it to you guys. Is yeah. there any way to get in touch or, or how can people learn more? Or, you know, if they feel like they know someone or are involved, there's a very Nashville audience. I mean, they'll do, might. The, the casting directors will do a massive call in Nashville. Um, uh, it's going to be Daryl Eisenberg casting it. I'm, she's going to be so mad that it, she's going to, her inbox is going to get flooded. But well, give it up or don't give it up. Check, check her out. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, I'd, I'd say the uh, casting notice will probably go out this summer. This summer, be on the lookout. The May We All <laughs> musical. Have we left anything out? Have we said it all? I might have to get a new casting director now after I just did that. Uh, after you threw her threw her under the bus. She's gonna be like, that's a year, that's a year and a half away. <laughs> I work in casting for a for a TV show um uh called My Kind of Country, which is like a global search for country music. We're working on this right now. And my inbox is insane with people hitting me awesome. up. I know, I know the struggle. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, keep an eye out, like you said, uh, there'll be an obvious uh, casting. And then, you know, for the film, we're we're repped by William Morris. And, you know, we, we don't have our casting director yet, but once they Go do- Go bug I'll, I'll... William Morris. Everybody signed William Morris in Nashville. Go bug your guy, William Morris. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Michael- Mr. Morris. <laughs> Mr. Morris himself, the man himself, yes. Mr. William Morris. <laughs> Guys, thank you so much. I, you know, the one thing I miss probably most right now during the pandemic is live theater. I can't wait to get back and see it. Yeah, London might open up May seventeenth. They were saying, um, yeah. but um, but it feels like there's it's hard to know when Broadway will open up, and uh, it's exciting to know that there's great projects in the work, and uh, there there's shows that we will look forward to seeing when it's safe to do so. So, thanks yeah, for what you're doing. Yeah, it'll be the the let's look for the roaring twenties when we get out of this, right? Lots of uh, lots of art and uh, partying. I can't wait. I mean, there's something so um, magical about seeing theater. Obviously, we all know it. You leave a great production being in such a great mood, and your spirits are lifted. And hopefully, a great show inspires you. And I feel like that's something that we're all missing right now, a little bit. So, maybe yeah. all coming to Nashville 2022. Check it out. Get in line now. It's gonna sell out fast. Get your tickets. If you can get a ticket to opening night, they're hard to get. But if you can get it, it's going to be star studded. I'll give you I, Steve's email. You can email him directly for opening night tickets. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doxing everyone today. <laughs> Michael's email also, just so it's there. Of course, yeah. Uh, hold on, I'm going to pull out Michael's phone number. Everyone, unbelievable. Well, Thank you much, man. Thank yeah, Zach, you. thank you so much. I really, really appreciate you having us on. Guys, thanks for coming on. That, that was so fun. And I'm, I'm genuinely, I'm so excited to see the show. So I can't wait and uh, keep, keep me updated if anything comes up. Awesome. See you guys. Stay safe thank out you. there. You as well. There you have it. Episode 55. 
Thanks for tuning in. Thanks again to Michael and Stephen for taking the time to come onto the show. I am so excited to see this musical. I can't even tell you, especially this year where, where we haven't seen any musicals. I'm so excited for a new show, especially one that's coming and being developed in Nashville. To me, that's that's just such a cool thing for someone who loves country music and who loves musical theater. I mean, groundbreaking, absolutely groundbreaking. Can't wait to see this thing. The Zach Kuhn Show is mixed by Sam Heyman, and our theme music is by Justin Johnson. If you want more content from us, you can subscribe to my newsletter at nashvillebriefing.com, or you can follow us on socials, everything at Nashville Briefing. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll see you next week. Bye.